the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root, from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site that covers the Arizona Cardinals, as always. This is episode 478, and it is the third of three shows we're doing this week, and it is the second of our Cardinals-Ravens preview. You had yesterday, we had me and Seth on the show, um, giving our takes on how things are, how things will go and the matchups and everything like that. We have a special guest in this edition of the show from the Believe in Ravens podcast, former NFL tight end and Super Bowl champion, Daniel Wilcox, spent some time in the league with with, uh, with the Raiders, well, I'm sorry, with the Jets, with the Buccaneers, and with the Ravens themselves for several years there. Daniel, welcome to the show. How are you? Th- I appreciate the time, man. I'm great, Jess. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Really, really going to enjoy this set, man. I love talking football, and I can't wait to talk about the Baltimore Ravens. All love right. Hey, and so the, the Ravens are not a team the Cardinals see very often. It's, it's being right. in, you know across the other co- conference. It's about every four years with that 17th game. I think it'll happen slightly more often now, but the last time, mm-hmm. the last time they were around was when Kyler Murray was a rookie and Lamar Jackson was taken off on that MVP season. Um. Yeah, 2019 is the last time we've we've seen him. So far, what what are the Baltimore Ravens so far? They're five and two. What are they in 2023? To me, they're a Super Bowl contending team this year. Um, on paper, they look like one of the best teams in the entire league. Um, when you actually see them play, they're not the traditional Raven team that you normally would see, where it's just defensive, just loaded and there's no offense there's no defense people are actually excited to see the baltimore ravens offense for the first time in the history of this franchise lamar jackson has brought so much excitement on the offensive side of the ball now with the additions of obj and and um and zay flowers you know to the receiving core you already had mark andrews and isaiah likely and duvernay and all those guys man and now you bring in these new additions and all of a sudden the offense is what you want to see perform for the Baltimore Ravens, not the defense. And the defense is still solid. They're still stacked, and there's top five defense in the league right now. When I played the five years I was there, we was always top two, top three in the entire league, and the Ravens are starting to get back to that form. You know, Mike McDonald, uh, the defensive coordinator, has came back, and he's he used to be the linebacker's coach, went to Michigan for a year, then came back, and now he's the defensive coordinator in Baltimore. I think this is year two for Mike, and the guys are starting to get settled in a little bit. Last year, you remember we got off to a bumpy start because of the new the new D.C. being back and you changing all these pieces and bringing in new guys. And we still kind of played a little bit with the injury bug, but for the most part, you know, we got we're, we're rolling on all cylinders right now. And for the first time, you got a, a small glimpse against Detroit Lions of what this offense could actually look like. That, so I'm excited. Yeah. Excited, Jess. That that's the thing is that that game now you say it's not all about defense, but right now the Ravens are number one in the league in points allowed, allowing 13.9 points a game. That's better than the Chiefs at 15. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it is. So they are, even though that they are not all about defense. What? Not anymore. They they're still the top defense, and they're number two, they're number one in points allowed, and they're yeah. number two in yards allowed. So that's mm-hmm. that, that's that's really telling. If you say that they're not all about defense, and yet they are still statistically, um, arguably the best in the NFL. And so, yeah. how different does this offense look? What we've what we've seen from the Ravens before is 
like the receivers didn't really matter because it was all right. about the running backs and the tight ends. Um, they'd get Lamar out out in space to be able to move. And obviously, last year was tough with his injuries, but you know, we got Hollywood Brown over here. He, he got to be in a more wide open offense, but it was the passing game was all about. It was all about the run game, all about the tight end play. With Todd Monken, how, how much different does the offense look this year? It looks a lot different. I mean, we still haven't fully seen, I think, the full arsenal of what Todd Munkin is bringing to the table, only because it's still early in the season for us. And you have to keep in mind the Ravens were one of those teams that didn't play any of their starters through preseason. So the first four games of the year was like four preseason games where you don't show your cards too much, and we end up losing two games that we probably shouldn't have lost but we wasn't showing all cards. We was just learning the offense. Lamar came in a little bit late due to the contract negotiations all summer long, and he got there late, a lot later than a lot of the other guys. And he's the head of your of your body, you know. So you, in order to order to be great, the head has to be functioning perfect for the rest of the body to get all the sensory um, motor skills that you need. And that's kind of what you saw the first four weeks. First four weeks for us was really preseason. And, you know, now these last two games has been season, you know, the first game and the second game of the season. This will be week three for us, the way I look at it, because you got a new a new offensive coordinator. Your quarterback finally got his deal done. Um, and then you brought in new components like, you know, OBJ and, and Zay Flowers. You got young guys that are starting for you at receivers. And you still got, talk, you know, you still got Bateman and guys like that that are, that are back. But everybody's learning a new offense. So it's going to take a while before they start to really – develop this offense and play the way that they should play. I think around week 10, week 11, week week 12, you'll finally start to kind of see Todd Monk and say, okay, these guys got it. Let me throw a couple more plays in here. Let me do a, do something, put a little razzle-dazzle in, you know, some things that are really make it exciting for the viewers and the actual players themselves, Jess. And, and we look at – so what we saw Lamar Jackson do last week against that Detroit defense – um, yeah. he, he's been so like before that you, you could say that he was playing well, but then he uncorks a 357 yard, three touchdown, no interception performance. He added a rushing touchdown four total touchdowns as the offense player of the week in the AFC is that is, was that kind of the turning the corner in this new offense and is that kind of I, I don't know we can't it's unfair to say that that's kind of the right. production you're going to get every week but right. is that the sort of thing that, that we're going to see more of the rest of the year I think so like I, I, I really feel like people kind of miss the beat on you know certain things that happen because they only look at the stats and when you see the stats the stats could be kind of misleading you know the week before when we lost two weeks before when we lost to Pittsburgh we dropped like 10 15 balls I mean, it wasn't Mark Andrews. It was everybody on the receiving court dropped the ball. And they catch all those balls. He had the same type of performance that game, you know. So I, I've always thought he was a, a, a prolific passer in this league, you know. And I, th I feel like any quarterback in this league could be a prolific passer in the right system, the right coach, the right motivation, and the right understanding of exactly what type of player that guy is. Um, people do don't understand, I think, sometimes, and even GMs and even front office guys, you know, everybody doesn't fit in every system. And sometimes offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators, they only know one system, like hands down, this is the system, this is the defense I'm going to run, this is the offense I'm going to run, and they don't run anything else. Well, the players that you get all the time don't fit in that scheme. So you have to be willing to shape and mold your system for the players that you have. And to me, Lamar, you know, you, he's the kind of player that you shape and mold your entire system 
around and it's easy to listen to the media and listen to everybody and think this guy, all he could do is run the ball, but he showed you for years that he can throw the ball and put it with pinpoint accuracy and hit guys in stride and hit the open receiver. If the opportunity presented itself. And now I think he's having an opportunity to show the world that again, because he did this in Louisville, you know, we just forgot about it, yeah. you know, now, yeah, now here we, here we go again in the NFL and he's doing the exact same thing he did in Louisville when he won the Heisman, you know, right now for the Baltimore Ravens. So, to me, I don't think it's far-fetched to think that he's going to put the ball on the money and get the, get the ball to the open receiver, you know, very often. And he's a smart, intelligent guy who's, who's, who handles himself extremely well and hasn't did anything dumb thus far in this NFL, in this league. And he still leads the team in rushing, 363 yards, averaging five and 5.3 yards mm-hmm. per attempt, just a little bit more than Gus Edwards. Uh, the, it does look like that the run game is is shared, but it's still, it's mostly Gus Edwards, but still a decent amount of Justice Hill. How much, right. how much will be, if you anticipate against Arizona, that to be continued to be a shared uh, load? Oh, it would definitely be a continued shared load. I mean, both of those guys have, are proven. They, they know exactly what they can do. You know, this offense and this team, this organization, like both of those gentlemen, Gus Edwards, who give you that heavy hand and that Jerome Bettis type, you know, trap, you know, Henry type feel where he come downhill and, and put the pads on you and run you over type thing. And then you have a Justice Hill who's shifty and quick and he got those quick short bursts and he can have the separation that he needs from time to time that, that kind of mixes it up. I think for people, you know, when you put those two guys in, you know, D linemen get accustomed to feeling like they're going to get pound on. Then they come up hard to try to make a tackle. And then all of a sudden justice Hill put a, a one, two jump cut on him, And then he's out, he's out the gates for 40 or 50 yards. So that one, two punch, I think has, is going to be pretty much continuing throughout this entire season. I don't think they're going to stop doing that for the rest of this year, unless one of those guys get banged up or hurt, or they just start fumbling the ball all of a sudden. But I mean, we have a dynamic running back backfield, and I think we're going to definitely continue to exploit those guys as best we possibly can. And when you have those two type of runners back there and then you add in a Lamar Jackson, it makes it hard to kind of get a beat on everybody, especially with OBJ running down the field and Mark Andrews running down the field and Zay Flowers. You have to stay in your traditional zones and stay back on those guys to make sure that you corral them and not put them in one-on-one situation because nobody could cover those guys one-on-one you know so you when you drop back in zones then that allows the the the, the passing lanes and the running lanes to open up you know for for Lamar and Randy running backs we look at the defensive side of the ball they are well obviously the number two in yards allowed number mm-hmm. one in points allowed they're number right. one in sacks uh, and they're getting projection of production in the pass rush across the board. You've got Justin Medubuike, five and a half sacks. Kyle Vinoy is at the age 32 with three sacks, three and a half sacks from Jadavion Clowney, um, who, it, if you look at kind of the sack production, is is <laughs> it's above what he normally does. He's a very good pass rusher who doesn't pick up a ton of sacks is what we've seen in his career. Kyle Hamilton mm-hmm. from the safety position has three sacks. He got three and a half from Patrick Queen. Just where are the like? How is the pressure coming? Is it winning one on one? Is it through good coverage that leads to sacks, or is it just is it scheme? Like how how does that pressure come? Because you know Joshua Dobbs for the Cardinals after after a, a really good three game stretch over those last three games has been sacked nine times. He only was sacked three times the previous three games. He's gone down nine times in the last three games, and that's obviously a concern for Arizona going into this weekend. 
Well, I tell you what, there's definitely a lot of defensive scheme in that, that that allows these guys to be able to flow. But it's also, you know, understanding what being a Raven is, is about. You know, just being a Raven and having that confidence and playing at a high level is all is all what this defense has ever been about. You know, so the confidence for these guys are at all time high. And what I like that Mike McDonald is doing is that he's actually he's actually setting aside plays on defense for each guy. You know, so Kyle Hamilton will have his plays that he's supposed to make those sacks on. He may get that play called six or seven times a game. Everybody knows it's for Kyle. So everybody will do their job to make sure that Kyle has an opportunity to get to the quarterback as fast as he possibly can. And it's the same thing across the board. You know, with Michael Pierce and Metabuke, um, you know, Washington, Owe, Roquan, Patrick, everybody got their own plays on the sheet. So when they call them, you're doing everything you can to do your job to the best of your ability so that guy comes free. And then iron sharpens iron. If, you, if I do it for you, you do it for me, right? So that's that's how the Ravens play. They play fast. They play fun, and they and they enjoy it, man. You know, they, as soon as they call that play, they say, "All right, go get it," because it's your shot. Go get them. You know, it's your turn to go get them. Now, now I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that you're available to go get them because I know we're that good. You know, athletically, I think probably one of the best secondaries in the entire league. And um, then you look at the linebacker core. This is starting to look like a, a old-school Ravens linebacker core with Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. Those guys are flying around. And then when you put those outside guys out there, you know, um, having, having somebody like Jadavian Clowney that's already explosive, physical, can run, and can chase down the QB, he has been relentless at getting to the quarterback's face and causing pressure. And that's all you want, pressure bus pipes. And you just want to make people have, make rush decisions and just make bad decisions when they're doing it, when they're rushing. Um, it's no different from – you know, your wife getting ready to go out and she, you're rushing her and she picked the wrong makeup bag up, right? <laughs> she made that mistake trying to get out of the house really quick. So it's that same thing, man. You rush the quarterback and you want him to, to drop that makeup bag and pick up the wrong one and end up getting the ball tipped or throwing an interception. And we're starting to get our our, our, our turnovers up too. And we I think we're leaving the league in turnovers right now too. So I know um, Geno Stone um, is, is leading the league in interceptions right now. And to me, that's what the Ravens is about. I'm just waiting to see those creative plays when they catch the ball and pick it off and then they pitch it back to the next guy. I'm waiting on them to get back to that school ball, Raven football. Then I, that's when I know we've officially arrived on defense. Yeah, they've got seven turnovers, seven takeaways in their last four games, three in the last two. They've gotten at least one in six out of their seven games. The only game that they did not get a takeaway was their overtime loss to the Colts. Coming up next on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's talk about the matchups that we're going to be looking at in Week 8 with the Cardinals. That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. We're talking Cardinals-Ravens with former NFL tight end Daniel Wilcox, also the host of the Believe, the Believe in, in Ravens podcast and the Believe Network. Um, Daniel, we look ahead to this game. Obviously, this is this is an over this is a, a lopsided matchup, but there are matchups that we want to look at. And if you're looking at this game, which which are the what are the team matchups and what are the individual one-on-ones that you are you've got your eyes on in particular this matchup well i definitely want to watch the upfront guys you know the offensive line versus defensive line on both sides of the ball i mean whether it's your your o against rd or our, our um offense against your d you know that's where it all starts at to be honest with you like if if, if arizona don't come to play against all the speed that we have up front 
it's going to be a long game for Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs is Atlanta guy. I'm from Atlanta too, you know, so I, I love to see Atlanta QBs and, you know, guys from the local area that's playing, even your defensive tackle, Jonathan Ledbetter. I coached him in high school. No kidding. You know, so, yeah, over at Tucker High School here in, in DeKalb County. So I love seeing him in the starting lineup. I want to see him get off. At the same time, I want to see the Ravens play <laughs> and have the best game they could play. So it, it's like an iron sharpened iron thing for me. I want Led to have a great game, you know, him – him get a chance to say that I sack Lamar at least one time, you know, put his hand up, you know, all that type of stuff and celebrate. But at the same time, I only wanted to have it once, right? You know, so, you know. And so, probably after, yeah. you know, after is only there, there's already like 15-point lead. He can you can pick up a couple of yeah. sacks. And- <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's not going to happen, though. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, nice, by then, nice, yeah, nice they'd be running there. the ball anyway. Yeah. <laughs> nice try. So, so Matabuki, yeah, well, I, think, yeah, I, mean, I think him against Will Hernandez there, who, who, who lines up, he's a right guard. Matabuki would match up mm-hmm. with him primarily in, in the center. That's going to be a real good matchup. Because Hernandez is one of the more physical guys on the Cardinals' offensive line, been fairly consistent as well. But the, I mean, both both edge guys. So we've got Paris Johnson uh, on the right side of the offensive line, and it looks like he would line up against primarily Clowney. He he lines up over the over the, the defensive left side, mo- like primarily. Yeah, but he he does move around a little bit. So but Jadavion yeah, right. Clowney against Paris Johnson will be that'll be fun. Because uh, yeah. Johnson has been pretty good this year, he's he's held his own against pretty much everyone. Though Clowney in three and a half sacks through seven games, that's that's something to watch. Um, yeah. What other what other guys are are you looking at? Who who's going to primarily going to be called on to co- to cover Hollywood? That's, that's that's funny you said that because that's what I was about to say just now. Like I, I would love to see this Hollywood this Hollywood um, Brown matchup. I think it's going to be Marlon Humphrey, you know. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. I would love to see them just put Marlon on on on. Hollywood Brown the entire game. You know, I want to see him get absolutely harassed and don't get off free line. You know, don't let him get off the Hollywood line free at all. Hollywood has been cooking. Now, his numbers aren't good, but if you watch if you right. watch the game, he's been cooking corner after corner. He's been open behind defensive back several times and Dobbs just hasn't been able to to connect with him except for one time, but he has he is playing much better than the numbers show and and it's in a it's in a contract yeah. year and so the the film is showing that he is doing his job that's going to be that's going to be a fun matchup to watch is uh, cuz you know mm-hmm. cuz you, you know he also wants to play well against his former team does. No, he's going to be juiced up. He's absolutely going to be juiced up man and not only that but I mean we we have a younger guy named um Brandon Stevens I would love to see you guys really try to take advantage of a young guy playing corner over there on the other side and not you know, go at Marlon because Marlon to me is a, is a, always going to be a pro bowl corner in my eyes, you know, but Brandon Stevens is hot. He's playing really well right now too, as well. So I would love to see the Hollywood Brown versus Brandon Stevens, two young guys, you know, going at it and see what happens in that, in that realm, you know, but then when I look at our side of the ball, like who's going to cover freaking Zay flowers, who's going to cover <laughs> OBJ, who's going to cover Mark Andrews, who's going to cover Rashad Bateman, you know, like we have, we literally got three receivers yeah. that are all freaking and, dangerous and could fly. Well, and and you look at the numbers the Cardinals given up. Now, last week the Cardinals did very well in the pass game in terms of individual receivers, but they gave up 148 to Cooper Cup and a touchdown. They gave up 192 right. and three touchdowns to Jamar. They gave up 148, uh, no scores to Brandon Ayuk in, in Week Four. Um, it's going to be interesting, though. Though they have Buda Baker back. It looks like they might get Jalen Thompson back. He's their primary guy in the slot. 
Uh, he slides, comes down from the safety position to cover in the slot. Is is the slot where Zay lines up primarily in in three wide sets? Um, yeah, primarily, but no, not really. Like he's a dude, man. He can line up anywhere at any time, any given time. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. Like I I, I don't know where he's gonna line up this week. <laughs> they may have a game plan for you guys, and that, it's all about game planning. You know, putting your best guy on your worst guy. How can I get my best guy on your worst guy every single play? And that's what makes good OCs great to me. So and, I'm and looking the, to see exactly what Munkin's going to do in that in that. And that the Cardinals sense. will probably be playing two to three rookie cornerbacks. Um, Garrett Williams just came back from his ACL out of Syracuse. Uh, mm-hmm. First game back, played mostly in the slot last week. Did pretty well against Iowa. I picked up an interception. Keytrell Clark, Clark out of Louisville, but he's found himself kind of out of the rotation. Un, uh, undrafted kid Starling Thomas. He's played a whole bunch last week. He's he's taller, longer. Uh, I, I, I think Marco will probably Marco Wilson will be the guy that primarily will cover Odell. Um, yeah. That'll be interesting to see because Marco has the talent to be great, and the inconsistency the inconsistency to get cooked as well because we've seen. Right, we've seen like Jamar Chase. Oh, he looked bad. He was not good against Jamar Chase. Understandably, Jamar Chase makes everybody look bad, (laughs) but Marco looked exceptionally bad that week. Right. (laughs) I mean, the good thing about it, he's a University of Florida guy, so I mean, he's not. He's accustomed to big games. He's accustomed to playing against big time talent and good big time receivers, so he shouldn't be sweating too much. Oh, I'm sure he's looking forward to the matchup as well. This is that that, like when you're when you're a corner and you're you believe you're the number one corner, you're like, that's the guy I want. Absolutely. Um, Especially if you're trying to earn a spot in this league, you have to be, you got to have those, you know, you got to have those big conjuntas to make sure that you're ready for whatever comes at your way. You know, you're the, the, the Ravens tackle position. How are they holding up on the edge? Cause the Cardinals have gotten some, some, they're underrated this year with their production. Dennis Gardeck, four sacks, Justin, I mean, Victor Dimikagey, three and a half sacks, uh, Zayvon Collins, three and a half sacks. It's a very underrated production from guys who, you know, going into this, this season, you really had – there was a large question mark how that edge was going to play. How are, the, how are the tackles holding up specifically? We, we, haven't, we haven't played extremely well, but we're starting to play better right now. I mean, Lamar, I think, has been sacked way too many. I think he's been sacked like 16 times already or something like that this year, which is ridiculous because he's too, he's too talented to be tacked, you know, sacked that much. You know, but this is a this Morgan Moses is playing great on the right side. Ronnie Stanley, I think, is finally, finally back to his uh, original form, his Pro Bowl form before we signed him with a big contract. He's been hurt for the last three years. But this last game against Detroit, they both of these guys showed up big time and they played their butts off, man. And if they can continue to play like that for the rest of the season, they're going to give people absolute hell, man. They played great. Um, this last week against Detroit, and I think they was up for the challenge. They was ready for the challenge, and they looked like it. They they locked down Detroit defensive line, who's not who's nothing shy of spectacular. They've been playing great all year, but they didn't play well against the Baltimore Ravens last year. And then our center, you know, Tyler Linderbaum is absolutely phenomenal as well. Cardinals wanted him. Cardinals wanted him. He he would have Cardinals been had they, had the had they not traded for Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. That they would have used Linderbaum on, on that pick specifically. That. Yeah. Well, we're glad y'all <laughs> trade for Hollywood. We appreciate that. I mean, well, that guy's playing phenomenal. He's when I say the Iowa Center has just been phenomenal for us. He's he's been great. He's been great. The good thing is we got two backups. You know, Patrick McCarry and Ben Cleveland. Those guys are phenomenal as well. They can they could come off the. They played every position the last two three years. So because everybody's been hurt, 
you know, so they can play any position on the field. They could come in and spell anybody. So if anybody goes down, the backups are just as good as the starters, I think. How much concern is there? Because, you know, the, the first injury report of the week on Wednesday had Roquan out with a shoulder. How much concern is there with that injury, or is that more he's getting that, that – that's a Wednesday day off normally that he'll work his way up? Because the, the only two starters that showed up were Roquan and Marcus Williams. Marcus Williams looked like he'd probably be good to go for the week, but what about Roquan? Well, Roquan to me is is he to me he's all Ray Lewis and he's figured out he's figured it out. You know, him meeting with Ray Lewis and watching film and tape and, you know, willing to accept that mentorship that comes along with that, I think was huge a huge change for him. I don't think he missed this game. You got he got to take you got to take that guy's arm off in order for him to miss this game. <laughs> and I, he'll play he'll play through the shoulder injury. He'll play with one arm if he had to, but he'll be out there full speed ready to lead these guys on. I don't think I don't think there's a fear at all of him actually actually missing this game for a shoulder. Coming up next on the Rise Up Seward podcast, Mr. of Cardinals Talk on the web, we'll come back and talk predictions, picks, and, and what we expect in Week 8. That's coming up next on Rise Up Seward. We're back on the Rise Up Seward podcast, Mr. of Cardinals Talk on the web, talking to Daniel Wilcox, former Baltimore Ravens tight end and one of the hosts of the Believe, Believe in Ravens uh, podcast. Daniel, as we, we, we go into this weekend, it's, it is mm-hmm. the, the, the Ravens are favored by 8.5 points. Uh, it, it is a game where you say the Ravens should roll. I will say this about the Cardinals, and especially when we look at the second half. The Cardinals this year are minus 74-point differential in the second half. Hmm. 104-30, they have not scored more than eight points in any second half. They haven't scored in the second half well. in the last two ball games. And uh, last week, they only gave up six, but they've, gave up, they've given up at least 14 points in the second half of, I think, four of their seven games, including a 31 spot against the the Giants, 17 against the Bengals, uh, 20 to to the Rams. But that first mm-hmm. half, they've been good. They've been good in the first half overall this season. They've they've they have led, I believe, at halftime in four of their seven games. Is right. Baltimore, are the Ravens a quick starter or are they a strong finisher or is it a combination of both? They're, they've been a strong finisher. You know, the second half has been a better second half for them, but they the offense is just, to me, is starting to kind of really roll. So I expect for them to have at least 14 in the first half and maybe see another 21 in the second half. Um, if the Cardinals are not playing well in the second half, it could be a long second <laughs> half for them. You know, so it's just it just really depends, man, you know, what they come out with how things go at first. You know you always got your top ten plays charted already, and I'm sure Munkin has his top ten charted already. So they'll go through that top ten, but once that top ten is up, all bets are off. We're coming for blood from that point forward. And the Ravens is the type of team, if we get up on you, you could expect pressure. Oh so Josh gosh. Dobbs have to be ready for pressure. <laughs> they're going to bring everybody every opportunity they get, and they're going to do things to scramble your brain over there on the defensive side of the ball. One of the things that used to always complicate me, I used to line up at a tight end spot, and then Terrell Suggs usually be over me most of the time, right? And then they would pick up – the whole D-line would stand up, and then they would bring the linebackers down on the line of scrimmage. It'd be, it'd feel, it'd literally feel like 11 guys on the line of scrimmage. So now I got to decipher who I have to block or who I have to avoid and who has me man-to-man. I don't. It's hard to tell when everybody stands up. You can't see – it's not well-defined in the 3-4 defense now who's the down lineman and who's the linebackers and who's the safeties no more. And it's kind of hard to really decipher that, and that's how they get you. They line those guys up, walk them up on the line of scrimmage, and they'll rush four guys from one side and drop everybody else off in coverage. 
And when they rush those four guys, you only got two guys over there to block those four. So that you got one the, you had the other garden tacker like, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're on the other side watching those guys drop back. And then, like, oh, God, they're coming from the other side. Now it's too late. You got to reset your feet and go get these guys. And by that time, he's already on your quarterback. And your quarterback looking at you like, man, did y'all at least pinch somebody? Pinch somebody, please. <laughs> you know? It's tough, Jess. How how do you think this turns out? How many points do you think that the Cardinals can get on Baltimore, if we, assuming a, a a reasonably okay start? I I think this game will be ultimately Baltimore will run away with it in the second half. I don't know if they will put up like a thirty or a forty spot because I believe it will the game flow will go that they they'll be up a couple of scores and they can just rely on the run game after that and 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 kind of slow it down. I'm going to say that the Ravens are going to continue to squeeze people's throats, you know, so I'm thinking they're going to put their foot on your throat this entire game. And I'm going to say that you won't score more than 14 in Arizona. And I'm going to say the Baltimore Ravens are going to put up 28. We always shoot for at least 21 a game and we never try to give up 21 a game, but I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to spot you guys 14 this week because I think you guys are talented. And I think Hollywood, Hollywood is out for blood. So he's going to do something spectacular this week that he never would do in any other game just because it's the Baltimore Ravens that he's playing against. And then um, I think we'll do everything we can to try to shut you guys out. So I think we'll squeeze we'll squeeze you guys to, to 12 to 14 points, and then we'll score 28 to 30 points on you guys. And, and, and I have this game set. When I wrote the preview back on Sunday, I think I had it pegged for a – either a 27-13 or a 28-13 or maybe a 31-13. But I don't think the Cardinals will get much more than that. I think they might get three scoring drives. I don't think they'll put it in the end zone all three times. So we're right. looking anywhere from 13 to 16 points maybe. And and then you know, I think Baltimore will be able to roll in that second half. They'll probably score three touchdowns in the second half where they're looking at 28-35. to 35. Uh, I think it'll be 28-13. Uh, that'll put... That'll put like if, in terms of betting terms, because we like to we like gambling now in the NFL. That right. that'll put them just under the projected total. But the but if you want if you if you like the Ravens, take them to 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 win and to cover this game minus eight and a half. That's not a. I think that's an easy. I think that's an easy pick, especially right. since offensively the Cardinals are just going to be limited. Josh Dobbs has struggled the last three weeks. They've got no James Conner, and that's been the difference. Imori DeMarcado, their their undrafted rookie out of TCU, was productive last week, but he's he is not anywhere near on the same level of impact on the game like James Conner is. And until he gets back, it's gonna be a struggle bus. Now, there is the wild card that Kyler maybe comes back. And I don't think he will, but right. he was a full he was a full participant <clears throat> in practice on Wednesday, so everyone's a buzz about maybe he'll get activated this week. I what I don't know. I don't think he's a. I don't think it's a full. I don't think he was a full participant with the first team. I think he was getting full. Right. I think he was getting full scout, full second team reps against the Cardinals ones to get ready for. It's kind of like his training camp right now because he he didn't get any of that. And so while there there is a there's an outside chance Kyler's back and that would be fun Kyler against Lamar. I don't want. I don't. I don't think Kyler want to see the Ravens this week. <laughs> not not your first game back. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that don't. to him as a head coach no. or OC. I would, no. no, bro, not this week. The head coach wouldn't want to do that. Kyler, he'd be yeah. all for it. He'd be all for it. He's yeah. that sort of. I, a wouldn't, I wouldn't want. Them <laughs> I would not want them problems. My first game back after coming from a serious injury. I'm not trying to see the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> 
Yeah, that makes sense, man. Hey, yeah. Daniel, thank you so much. It, it, are, are you on social media at all, uh, other than on the podcast, where you can you can listen to Daniel on the Believe in, in Ravens podcast, which is mm-hmm. you, which like this show, you can access on any podcast provider. Uh, anywhere else that, that my fans can can follow you. Yeah, I'm IG. I'm Daniel Dot Wilcox, and then on um, Twitter, I'm at Coach Wilcox. Awesome, man. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for your time. This wraps up this edition of the Rise Up Secret Podcast, best of Cardinals Talk of the on the web. We'll be back in the next in next week with Seth and myself as we review what hopefully isn't too bad a loss. Dan, Daniel, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening. We will be back just um, just in a couple days. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red.